So a podcast is all about consistency. If you aren't doing consistently every week, you're not going to get as many views. That's kind of how it is. It's just like everything in social media. If you're not doing consistently, no one's going to look at your stuff. If you're not doing podcasts consistently, no one's going to listen to you. Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Nemanja Kolyaya, a professional sound engineer, audio editor and podcast producer, and a CEO and founder of Nutka Sound, a professional podcast production facility. Today we are here with Brett Deister, the producer and host for his show, Digital Coffee, which is a podcast dedicated to all things tech, while being mostly focused on PC gaming and gaming marketing. So nice to have you here, Brett. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. First, I'd like to hear more about your show and what made you started in the first place. Well, it's actually two shows. So I actually do a public relation podcast for a client. So I'm actually doing like work for a client that I actually get paid for doing. But my original one was because people kept on telling me I have a great radio voice, but I didn't really know what to do with it. So I was working at a coffee shop like five years ago. And Digital coffee kind of popped in my head. I was like, oh, that sounds good. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about? Well, I love tech and gaming. And it originally was like tech marketing and gaming. But then I recently read a book called Big Podcast and said to be niche and niche yourself. So I niched it down to PC gaming only. I see. That's a great way to approach podcasting, I think, is picking a niche topic and then going through with your idea. How did you go about starting the podcast? Did you have a specific budget in mind for all of the audio equipment and everything else needed for a successful launch? Oh, no, I started with a phone. It was like, there was a phone app called Roar, I think. I don't know if it's around anymore. So I was like, okay, let me just test this out because I don't really know what I'm doing. And I mean, it went pretty well. And then I was like, okay, let me actually start caring about my audio quality because it was just me recording and then posting. So that kind of led to, okay, and I'm going to get a really small mixer. Actually, no, I went to Blue Yeti. That thing picks up every single little background noise possible. Yeah. And it really infuriated me because it took me a while just to get like rid of a lot of stuff, especially computer fans. People don't understand that computer fans can be really loud. And then I went to like a mixer that I got for Christmas and another one. And now I'm kind of at Rodecaster Pro with a Audio-Technica microphone. So I have a more... I guess, robust setup. That's awesome. To be honest, personally, I don't really like Blue Yeti microphone, especially I don't generally like USB microphones. In my experience, they rarely sound good. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Elgato just released their USB-C microphones called the Waves. It's specifically for gaming because Elgato is really big in gaming. Yeah. I always tell people like XLR is probably the best way to go because USB mics, audio quality can be hit and miss a lot of times. Yeah. And uh, I think people generally shy away from using an XLR mic is because of the apparent complexity of using a mixer or an audio interface. But in reality, it's really not that complicated. Yeah, I mean, it really depends. I mean, some of like the Yamahas or like the Zooms, like the Zoom Live Track 8 can have all the knobs and stuff. And it's like, what does all that stuff do? But then you have like the Rodecaster Pro which is basically just oh more of a touchpad with some 
faders and some sound pads and everything that actually does really simplify the process for a lot of people. So the barrier is a little bit lower, more expensive. It's like a $600 equipment, but there's a lot of things well, and you don't have to worry about a lot of things because it does it really well. Okay. So before we move on, can you tell me what hosting service do you use for the distribution? I use Acast. And are you satisfied with the service they provide? Uh, yeah, because I used Libsyn before and they were great, but I just didn't like the bandwidth of I could only upload so much per month. And that kind of annoyed me because I was like, well, I just don't want to be bogged down by like, oh, this is going to be over that limit of how much I can upload. So I was looking around, found another one, but it was really expensive. So I've looked at what is now Acast Open, which was Pippa. And they had for like 20 bucks a month transcripts you could do. They had unlimited uploads. You could do a snippet, which basically is what Headliner is, where you can put your audio into a video format and then have the words go pop up when you were saying them as well. So it looked like a good deal for what I was getting at. And so I decided to go with that one. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so do you do your own editing in post-production or is it something you hire other people to do for you? Oh, no, I do everything. So I do the what I'm going to talk about or write questions for the PR podcast because I do just do interview questions. So I write those, send them out early. I already sent to my client the like guest kind of signatures. So basically it's kind of a liability thing that says that, hey, we can do whatever we want. And so when you sign this, you give us the right to do whatever we want with it. It's just kind of like a extra layer of protection sometimes because people can be people and be like, oh, I don't want this anymore. It's like, well, he signed it. <laughs> and so I do that as well. So I use Hindenburg for the beginning parts of it. So if I record it, I use Hindenburg. And then for posts, because I like auditions a little bit more because it's an easier way of like editing the entire episode. I'll put my audio edit mine and then I'll put the reviewers if I'm doing like an interview edit theirs and I'll put it back together use some Wave Central or RX plugins if I need to to kind of make it sound a little bit better and then post it I mean hopefully it's not too many ums and uhs I know I said a few of them already in this one but if it's a lot it takes me like four hours or more sometimes yeah, that's kind of the usual practice. <laughs> and what kind of software would you recommend to someone who's just starting out and trying out the editing for the first time in their life? Budget-wise, I would look at Reaper. It might be a little bit more difficult. If you're looking for something a little bit easier, you can try Hindenburg, but there is a more high barrier for price, but it's only a one-time price. So I got the Pro, which allowed me to use Skype, for content creators because there's different versions of Skype apparently. And that was like $400, but it was $400 once and it's really easy to actually use. And it's probably one of the easier ways of like getting into it is using Hindenburg, but there is a higher price for it. I mean, you could use auditions, but remember it's going to be about 20 bucks each month. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how hard is it to actually learn all of that stuff? And do you have some resources you would recommend that are good for getting into audio production? There is, I think it's Mike Russell's actually good one on YouTube. I think the Audacity podcast is also a good one. Oh yeah, also Audacity is a good free tool to actually get into as well. Yeah. So if you want to use that one for free, that's probably one of the better entry level ones. But I would look at those two. YouTube usually has pretty good 
resources, but that's how I found Mike Russell is another podcaster that does it. He does some pretty good how to get your audio quality better than what you've done before type of a thing. So I would actually look at those, but also just try it out yourself, fail, because we've all failed. I mean, I think when I started out, I broke my RSS feed three times, which is I never do that because that is a big headache. So I've messed up several times. So don't be afraid to mess up. That's some wonderful advice, actually. And can you tell me how time-consuming podcasting really is? How many hours per week do you spend on everything from pre-production to post and even promotion? Sometimes it depends. So when I was using WordPress, it took even longer because WordPress is basically I was doing all the back end. And so if something went wrong, I just spent hours figuring out what went wrong in the back end. So if you're doing it in that process with your own website, it can be like just keeping up with the days where you kind of forget your social media because you're doing other things as well. I would say if you really want to look at it, it's probably going to be like a daily thing where you just have to keep on looking at your stats, see what's actually hitting. Also, if you're doing promotions, AdWords or at no, it's Google ads now. AdWords is the old version of it, Google ads. I mean, it can be probably a three or four hour if you're not doing editing or you're just posting or it can be like a four to five to six, seven hour if you're doing podcasting, posting and everything else in one day. Okay. And can you tell me what made you go for the option of having the show solo hosted as opposed to an interview based podcast? I was going to do it with a friend when I started off Digital Coffee, but he wasn't reliable. So I was kind of just like, you know what? Got to do it myself. I mean, that's really just how it is. It's like, all right. And it's kind of interesting because actually doing a solo podcast, you have to hear yourself. If you ask anybody, including me, I don't really like hearing myself very much. Yeah. It's really difficult to edit yourself. You're like, I sound like that? Really? I thought it sounded a little bit different than that. So it's one of those things where solo podcasting has its advantages, but also co-hosting has its advantages and disadvantages and interview podcasts also have the same advantages and disadvantages. With solo, you don't have to have like a time limit or you don't have to have a set time to get people to come together to do a podcast. With co-hosted interviews, you're mostly relying on other people to be a part of it too. And if they cancel, they cancel and you have to figure out something new. Yeah. What would you recommend to someone if they ask you how to successfully promote the show? I mean, it's a various things. You're really not going to get like a specific thing, but yeah, use like Instagram is probably another good one, but also use like pictures, also use videos. I would say use Facebook groups over Facebook. I have a page, but I don't really spend a lot of time on it because you have to pay for it to get views, unfortunately. So Facebook is kind of sort of, eh. I mean, Twitter can be good as well. If you want to look for other ones, I mean, I have a big following on Pinterest, so that helps me as well. But mostly it's the things that I talked about and just doing it consistently. So a podcast is all about consistency. If you aren't doing consistently every week, you're not going to get as many views. That's kind of how it is. It's just like everything in social media. If you're not doing it consistently, no one's going to look at your stuff. If you're not doing podcasts consistently, no one's going to listen to you. Yeah, totally true. Have you ever used paid ads? Yeah, I've used Google ads. Or I'm actually kind of doing it still, kind of started restarting it. So I'm doing it because you can actually pick specific days. So I'm doing it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I think Sunday. Because my podcast episode released is on Friday. But when I was doing it 
seven days a week, I started to see which ones through Google ad platform, which ones or which days were doing better. And it seemed like Wednesday on was probably the best days to do it and not doing it Monday and Tuesday. Okay, so do you think a person is able to do that all by themselves or do they need to hire like a social media marketing expert or an SEO expert? You can do it yourself. SEO is a little bit more difficult because you just have to understand Google Analytics and that can be a little difficult. I mean, there are guides to figuring out how to do it. There's online resources for that as well. Social media, it's all about like, who you are and how you're going to show your content. I always say try to be a little bit different from everybody else because if you're the same, no one really cares. So yeah, try to do it yourself, kind of figure out your own guidelines. And then if you want to farm it out to somebody for social media, do it with a certain set of guidelines. So this is very like PR and marketing, but always have guidelines and brand guidelines because your brand is important. And if you don't, have the specific guidelines of what to do or what they can and cannot do, they will do whatever they want to. So I would say test it out first, figure out your own, I guess, design or flair for what you're doing. And then you can farm it out if you have the budget for that. If you don't have the budget for that, then yeah, don't do it. Yeah, totally. Okay. And what would you recommend to someone who's looking to monetize the podcast? Uh, what are some ways they can do that? There is the Patreon route. There's also, I think there's one called Buy Me a Coffee, which works with me because it's digital coffee. <laughs> yeah. There's that route. There's also ads. And I know ACAST now does it through their two top tier ones where you can do ads. But if you're going to do ads, the research shows that pre-roll ads are the best ones because people listen to it. Post and mid-roll, don't do it. People hate it because you're kind of like, going through the episode and then you stop and there's an ad and people do not like that. So I would say mostly do pre-roll and maybe post-roll. But if you're doing ads, just be aware of that. Also say yes and no to things that if it works, say yes. If it's going within your podcast or what your podcast is about, say yes. If it's not, say no. Because remember, listeners are there for a specific reason. And if you have a weird ad that doesn't make sense to them, say no to it. I've had a couple people email me where it, they were telling me about like fitness gear. And I was like, don't talk about that at all. Why would you send me an email? Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. And the follow-up question, do you think it's hard finding sponsors? In the beginning? Yeah. And if people actually want to read it, it's called big podcast. It's actually a pretty good book it says you usually want to do long-term sponsorship deals because short-term doesn't really give you or give your sponsors that much of a ROI or return on investment. So if you're going to do the sponsorship route, make sure you do a year or more because shortened sponsorships don't really hit that. And you might actually make companies upset because there wasn't that much of a return on investment. There are other ways of doing advertisement through your podcast too. You can have companies sponsor the whole podcast so you talk about their specific product as well. But like I said, it needs to fit within what your podcast is about. Yeah, totally. Okay, I've already asked this question on the podcast before, but can you tell me what computer specifications would be sufficient to effectively do audio editing and post-production? And also, if you can tell me, what do you need to run video post-production software as well? Well, I build my own computers, so I specifically, and I also am a gamer, so... 
us gamers need a little bit more high-powered stuff. But if you're going to do audio, I would say, now my preference, and I do own stock in AMD, actually own stock in video as well. So I just want to be like specific, like last computer I built was an Intel, and then I went to switch to AMD Ryzen because they actually have pretty good CPUs now. But you do want a CPU that's quad-core or above, just because, especially with plugins, plugins can actually be a very big resource hog, especially when I plug in six or seven at a time, it takes longer to post it. So basically when I say post it or export it, it takes like four minutes instead of like one minute. Yeah. But that's because of my thing. I would look at the RAM too. I would say 32 is probably one of your ideal. You can go above, but I, there's no reason to go above right now. For hard drives, I would say do, it's called Solid State Driver SSD and there's a version of it called NVMe2 which basically is a different version of SSD. It, it really does speed up the process for opening up your program and to post as well. So always look at those. Now, regular hard drives are fine for storage, but they're not as fast as solid state drives. Now for video, I would do a graphics card as well because graphics cards will help with a lot of the post-production. Now, since Premiere finally allowed for GPU post-production. Usually it was just all very CPU intensive. But once again, getting Adobe is not cheap. So I would actually look at DaVinci Resolve as well because they have a free version of their software, which is pretty good. But that's if you want to do video. And Resolve is actually really good for workflow as well. So they have a way for you to basically record your audio through Resolve. With Adobe, you have to do Premiere, open up editions, do your audio, go back to Premiere, put it all together. And so there's a lot of going back and forth. So you're having three or four programs open with Resolve. You can do everything right in that software. Cool. Well, that's so helpful. I'm sure our listeners will find this very handy. Do you think you need to be tech savvy in order to start a podcast? No, not really. There's Anchor, basically the podcasting platform that I actually started using when it was in its alpha. Yeah. It was a totally different platform than what it is today. Anchor makes it really easy to do a podcast. It has a lot of the tools and features all within the app. Remember, it's a free app. So yeah, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it's owned by Spotify. So there's that. There's the backing. Spotify was bought out, I think, two years ago. So there is that as well. But the barrier of entry for doing podcasts now is very low and anybody can start it up. It's just the problem with podcasts is that people don't understand how much time it takes to do it and how much consistency in sticking to what, like once a week or once a month or where, however, when you want to do your episodes, people don't understand that that's the biggest thing that kills a lot of podcasts or podcast fade as it's actually called where you start a podcast and then it fades. So people don't understand that part. So be sure you understand that if you're doing once a week, publish it once a week. If you're not doing it once a week, and I get it, you sometimes just need a break. At least tell your audience that and take a break. But remember, you have to get back to doing once a week. And if you take a very long break, it could take you longer to build up that audience again. Yeah, you are right. I really think consistency is key to finding a good number of listeners. And also remember that, the consistency is for you too, because you got to kind of find your voice through the podcast too, like how you're going to talk, what you're going to talk about. You got to find that cadence within yourself. Yeah. So it's not more just your audience, but it's also yourself at the same time. Yeah, totally. Okay. Can you walk me through your process of preparing for an episode? 
So I have a Feedly for my digital coffee one. So I look at what the news is going on for the day, kind of find what's going on, kind of do a main topic at the end, but I'll talk about the news of like updates from like Overwatch or Valorant or whatever is the popular game for the week or the popular controversy because people love controversies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I'll look through that, then read it, talk about it, and then go through my episode. Usually it's pretty good. I don't really do as many mistakes as when I did when I first started. So there is, when you do a podcast for a while, you're, I mean, I'm not saying that I haven't done any mistakes, but I usually have shortened my mistakes. So it doesn't take me as long to do my own. And then I basically use all the plugins that I use. I'll do some show notes and then I'll post it on ACAST, which I now do a new website called podcastpage.io, which basically is a website for podcasts, but it also uses this feed. So I don't have to do it twice because with WordPress, I had to actually upload it twice or basically do upload my notes twice, which it doesn't take that much time, but I usually try to make sure that I have efficiency with everything because efficiency just makes things go a lot faster. So that's how I do it. And then I post it for, so I do it Thursday. I post it for Friday. So I post it ahead of time, I guess you could say. Then Friday, I'll go through all my social medias, kind of doing a little bit of promotional as well. I'll make sure that the transcripts are there. Then you really get back into actually looking at the transcripts because even with ACAST, transcripts aren't always as reliable. But the problem is that I have to do it word by word, which takes even longer time. And I would love for it to actually be a word document. I can do it through it and then upload it back up again. Okay. And what would you say to people who do podcasting as a hobby? How much time do you think they need to be prepared to leave out per week or per day in order to set up a podcast? I mean, it depends. It depends on your setup. If you're just doing it by yourself, I would say just leave your setup on your computer desk. So it's less time to actually set up. If it's more of like hosting and co-hosting, then yeah, it's going to be a little bit more of a timed session. So make sure you're specifically timed it out specifically. If you're doing more remote, just make sure that you're always on time for Skype and everything. But I mean, it really depends on your setup. So my setup is on my computer desk. I do all of it from home basically. So the PR podcast, I do it from home. I have people call in now with the Roadcaster Pro. They can call in through my phone or they can call in through Skype and we'll record both ways. So that's really easy for me to actually do. But like I said, mine is stationary. I know specifically where it is because eventually I want to get into live streaming as well. But doing two podcasts and being the editor or doing everything for two podcasts, it's really time consuming. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. How hard is it to stay up to date on all of the things happening in the gaming industry? Well, I've, like I said, I have a Feedly, so it's a lot easier for me to catch up on everything. So like yesterday, Mixer, which is owned by Microsoft, decided to cease everything. Basically, they shut down their Twitch version for live stream for gaming yesterday. And it's basically going to be sunsetting on July 22nd. And everybody has to either move to Facebook Gaming, that's their partner's, or they go back to Twitch or someplace else. So with that, I mean, I have Twitter as well, and I follow people on Twitter or I follow topics on Twitter as well. So I have various different outlets to go to, but Feedly is my RSS feed for gaming news. So I try to do my best to stay on top of it 
Yeah, well, okay. Before we end it, I have a couple of kind of personal slash motivational type questions. I'd like to ask, obviously, anyone who's ever sat down in front of a PC or a console and started playing whatever knows how addicting it is and how easy it is to get lost in the endless world of gaming. So how do you find balance between work life, personal life and gaming? Well, I mean, specifically for gaming, I said to myself, I think... In high school, I said that if anybody was willing to hang out with me, they would be a priority over gaming. So that's my own rule. Mm-hmm. So I usually, there's sometimes where I don't because I'm human, but I usually abide by that rule. So I try to do everything in the morning as much as I can. So I try to make, optimize my morning so I get as much done as I can. And then I'll try to game probably in the evenings. If I'm not really doing much, then I'll game probably during the afternoon. It just really depends on my schedule. Yeah. But nighttime usually is for people. And if there's anything out there to do, then I will set aside that time to do it. So, but if there's nothing going on, then I'll probably go back to gaming. But that's because if there's no other option, I'll go back. But that's my rule. Yeah. If anybody wants to hang out with me, their priority gaming is not because gaming will be there. Always people may not always be there. Yeah, true. That's a good way to approach it, actually. Okay, for some of our younger audience members who are perhaps looking to get into the world of professional gaming or streaming even, which is appealing to say the least, but quite hard to get into. Do you have some advice you'd give them if you were in their shoes? Once again, the consistency is key, just like everything else. If you want to stream, then have a specific schedule. Would I say stream every day? No, don't do that because it's just, you're setting yourself up to fail. Just do it incrementally, maybe do it twice a week. So you can do like Tuesday, Thursday, or whenever you feel like you can do it. Have specific set times because people don't know when to go to your stream if they don't know. Also use programs like Canva to actually make your basically offline picture so people know when to actually come and go as well. If you want to do streaming, I would either use OBS or Streamlabs OBS for recording or streaming as well. If you want to stream to multiple platforms, look at restream.io. They have free versions, but you could stream to Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, which is Twitter's own live streaming service all at once without you having to do it multiple times. So look at that as well. Now for the video portion of it, now a lot of streamers will use DSLR or basically high quality cameras that could basically be two grand or more. If you don't have that type of money, I would say look at Logitech webcams. C920 has probably been one of the most popular one for streaming as well. And then make sure you have a decent graphics card too. So I would say 2060 or 2070, but I would wait because new graphics cards are coming from NVIDIA and AMD and I would say August, September. So if you don't have one yet, I would wait for those because the older ones will go down in price as well. Awesome. Well, that's very helpful. And do you have some games to recommend that you're currently playing? Well, it's from my childhood, but they actually remastered a real-time strategy game called Command and Conquer. Oh, awesome. I love that game. <laughs> so that is actually, but that's from my childhood. So if you don't mind the old school way graphics or the old school graphics, because they did make it better and made it more 4K and usable yeah. for modern PCs, but that's another one. I like to still play Overwatch every once in a while. I know it's an older one, but that's fun. Valorant, if you kind of like CSGO with an Overwatch light touch to it as well, is not a bad one to actually play. And I mean, I'm excited for 
Star Wars Squadron when it comes out in October. I played X-Wing when it was new. That's a like a 25-year-old space sim game. But that looks interesting as well. So that I would say Battlefield. I love Battlefield games as well. Battlefield 5 isn't the best, but 4 is still being played a lot. 3 is being played a little bit, and 1 is being played as well. And you also have Call of Duty Warzone if you like the Battle Royale. I don't like them as much. I play them sometimes, and I just forget to play them. So, And then I think for role-playing games, there's too much out there right now, unfortunately. I was really hoping for Cyberpunk 2077 to come out in September, but they pushed it back to November, so I still have to wait for that one. But Witcher 3 is actually a really popular and really good one. It's old. It's like three years old, but it's like one of the most influential RPGs of our lifetime right now. Yeah. <laughs> if you actually want to look at that, it's on the Switch now. It's on every one of them. So pick it up. It's a very adult theme. So if you're a young kid, I would not play it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, back to the topic at hand. Do you have some advice for someone who has just launched their first podcast? Yes. Even if, if you get high numbers or low numbers, make sure that you just stick to your guns. Make sure that you're always trying to tweak your process because you're still new to it. Now, if you're having high numbers, that's great. I'm really happy for you for that. If you have low numbers, just keep going. I mean, sometimes it's just one of those things where maybe no one knew about your episode. So just keep on pounding the pavement is probably the best way of saying it. Because sometimes you can find success through the longer phase or sometimes you can have success in a really big way. But either way, you still got to be content. Yeah. Okay, so any last words you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I mean, if you are wanting to start a podcast or too afraid to start a podcast, hey, I was there with you. I had no idea what I was doing. I did it on my phone because I didn't have anything else. And I was like, well, if my friend isn't going to help me, then I'll do it myself. And that's what you should do. If you really want to do it, you go out and do it. Don't wait for anybody else. If you're waiting for everybody else, it could take months or ever happen. So just do it yourself. Make mistakes. It's going to happen. Trust me, like I said before, broke my RSS feed three times. So it does happen to the best of us. And then we get out, we move along, we get better at it. And you will get better at your editing. You'll get better at your hosting. It just takes time. I know always want the perfect host and editor for podcasts, but it just never happens. Yeah, so true. Okay, and where can our listeners reach you and check out your show? They can go to digitalcoffee.gg for the official website. They can either follow me on, I'm on Twitter. I also have Digital Coffee on Twitter with just one E because the other one was taken. So I get the Digital Coffee with one E. Also on Instagram, haven't been doing too much of that right now because like I said, I'm doing two different shows. So paid one does take priority. So sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. I'm trying to get back into it as well. But if you really want to find me, just go to digitalcoffee.gg. It's probably the best way of doing it. I do have Twitch, but I haven't really used it in a very long time, even though I do tweak it around. But I'll eventually get back into it. It's just a lot of things happening in the background for me. Awesome. Well, it's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much for all of the insightful information about the world of podcasting. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on your show. That's it. 
Thank you for listening. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends and click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions for us or suggestions about a topic we can cover related to the podcasting industry, leave a comment below or send us an email at info at If you're a podcast producer, show host or an audio editor, and would like to be on the show, send us an email, we would love to have you here. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under the handle at the Pod. Tune in to our next episode where we talk to Benjamin Shapiro about his contribution to the MarTech Podcast. Peace out.